Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Here's What I'm Seeing, conversations from the front lines of life and leadership. We're back. My name's Adam. I'm here with Cynthia and Jeff. We're in studio. We're live. We don't have masks on. We're so excited to be back, though. The last time we left off, we were leaving the light on. I know, the light on. I know. This is a reunion tour. It really is. It is. It really is. We're going to play all the greatest hits. Yeah, and this summer and fall, it was really interesting how I've been running into people, and they're like, I just listened to that episode. What do you mean? You're leaving the light on. And I'm like, you're three months late. It's you know? a small but powerful cult following we've got going out <laughs> there. So my mom, my dad, your brother, those, those are our listeners. Yes, yeah, that, exactly. That's who it is yes. right yeah, now. I got but, zero. All right. But what we did say in that last episode was when we had an idea or a topic that we thought was going to be relevant or just something that we wanted to talk about that we would come in to the studio and hit record. And so, Jeff, you sent Cynthia and I an email probably about two or three weeks ago saying you had just read this article it had really kind of fired you up and was something that you were seeing out there on the front lines of life and leadership and thought we'd want to talk about it. Before we hit record, Cynthia came in and said, I disagree with <laughs> she you. She has so a hot sports opinion right away. There are sparks flying on this episode, and I can't wait. So I'm the contrarian. Well, you are. So let's do this. Why don't you just uh, set up the concept? What did you read, and what is the idea that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so I recently read this article. It's a McKinsey article uh, describing the role of an effective leader as a choice architect. And I, that I sounds just, fancy. It I know, does. That I have crazy. to really think hard. That I, sounds like definitely one of those uh, ideas that you would see on LinkedIn where people would put something, you know, very different. They're not a marketing manager. They're like a chief cheerleader or something yeah, like that. You it, it know, was so just kind of this cool architect. thing. Yeah. I, I, it comes from this, uh, this concept by Richard Thaler in his book, Nudge. And he just begins to describe, he, who's actually a Nobel prize winning, yeah. um, writer and economist. And he just began to describe this idea of laying out choices in front of people and being objective about it. And in the article, they related that to what a leader should be able to do with their employees. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, let's take a little side trail here on nudge. Have you guys read anything about that idea of nudging no. <laughs> people? So I don't think I read uh, Thaler's book, but it was talked about in another book. And, and um, so the idea there, and I think it was at Google, I might have this wrong, where that one of these, these workplaces that has food out everywhere and they wanted to try to promote healthy well-being and healthy eating and all that kind of stuff. And they were realizing that nobody was making healthy eating choices. And they realized it was because all the junk food was out, mm-hmm. right? Like, so that's what you visually saw when you walked into the break room or whatever, you saw all this junk food. So as they started to remove the junk food and put healthier options like fruit or nuts or other whole foods out there, just adding little nudges to people, mm-hmm. just little visual nudges that people started to change their behaviors. And so that's, that's why, Jeff, when you go to Home Depot this weekend to get light bulbs, you're going to walk out of there with like 100 things yeah, because all the, those end caps are yeah, all these the, little nudges. with a bright orange extension cord or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and, you know, a the bungee. whole thing of nudge, I mean, you know, you've got to use your powers for good and not evil. I mean, there's lots of negative nudges out there with social media. But in this, in this world of leadership, this discussion of leadership, how can leaders nudge without controlling, micromanaging, and you know, those kinds of things? That's really good. So, yeah, I like uh, – it's, it's a fascinating idea. And I, and I think, yeah, he was a yeah, won the Nobel Prize in economy – uh, as an economist. And so there are a lot of applications for us as consumers on how nudges can drive consumer behavior. I like how you're turning this to go, well, let's not talk about consumers. Let's talk about us as leaders or leaders out there. How can you uh, nudge your employees or people on your team on in the right uh, right direction? All right, Jeff, so let's start off. Talk about choice architecture. What is that? How would you define that? Yeah, so the definition of choice architecture, it's the design of different ways in which choices can be presented 
to consumers. And in this discussion, the case really we're talking about employees or culture and the impact of that presentation on their decision making. So it's all about presentation, how how you lay things out in front of people. And in this case of Google, it's like putting some, you know, maybe some snacks like grapes and uh, bananas out there instead <laughs> yeah. of, you know, I like chocolate chip gummy cookies. worms yeah. or something. <laughs> gummy worms. That's right. Uh, which, yeah, we're getting ready to go into the fall and that time of year where all <laughs> Food of is that everywhere. candy is going oh to be everywhere. Gosh. So we're going to need that. Well, so, you've got young kids at home, so I'm sure you're going to have some good candy I stories. Do. I do. Yeah. So we will. Um, okay. So this idea of laying out the choices in a specific, thoughtful way. And I think that is that is that why the term architect or architecture is in there because an architect creates designs thoughtfully. It's not just uh, well, I'll just put the room over there and the door mm-hmm. over there. I mean, they really think through that and really try to design it. Is that is that why that? Yeah, word's I mean, in they there? lay options in front of you in an objective way, and then you are empowered to make the choice, just as if a designer were to come to your home. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and so a, a leader has an opportunity to lay help someone objectively evaluate the choices in front of them. Yeah. So when you read this article, why did that hit you? Like, what was it about it that was like, oh, okay, this is interesting? Because I. I become concerned when managers or leaders are are the tyranny of the urgent drives them towards either micromanaging or ignoring or just underdeveloping their people. Yeah. And sort of, it's easier to go into tell mode and go, "Hey, Adam, you need to do this and this by Friday and so forth." And you know, a leader can have great intention there, but ultimately, over time, that's going to disempower that person's ability to ideate and innovate and ultimately own the responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah, I think my issue with it, and by the way, I mean, I'm thinking about I'm, I'm sort of on both ends of the spectrum. So as a coach, that is part of your role is to help people uncover what's in their mind, not you impose your directive on them. This is what I think you should do. It's to help people bring that out. So I do think that's good leadership and good coaching. My wanting to go against the Nobel Peace Prize guy, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I I don't, actually. But uh, my issue is that in a company, what does that look like when the leader has to have very clear roles and responsibilities and a clear mission and a clear vision? And it's like, how does that, I I just can't quite figure out how does that work? Because, you know, you've got people who are carrying out your mission, vision, and roles, and you're actually literally handing them a set of, hey, here are your roles and responsibilities, and I'm asking you to fulfill these. And so where does that decision-making, mm-hmm. how do you empower them? Now, I've seen it done, and I think it's good. I just can't quite figure out how do you how are you getting people to carry out what you want them to do and still empowering them to make their own choices yeah. in that. And so maybe maybe it's the, the topic of choices, like where you're giving them their choices, not necessarily like, here's your role, you have to do your role, but you have freedom to, to make choices within maybe this area or this arena. So I, I don't know. What do y'all think? No, I think that, that I think that's why you're a contrarian today, because we've got to talk about the videos. I, I, <laughs> I don't like to be a contrarian. I'm oh, a seven. really? Yeah. Oh, I'm an okay. enthusiast. Okay. You know, it reminds me of the old <laughs> Stephen Covey story that in, in when he taught that uh, the seven habits course, he would describe, um, he used an example with his son where he would describe, you know, I want the yard to be green and clean. Mm. And so right. he would describe that and so but he didn't tell him now get the lawnmower and pick up the grass and you know as the son grew in maturity he empowered and owned the responsibility of that yeah. and so you know i think that that's where 
you know, leaders have to aspire. I wonder if the son took on Edward Scissorhands and did his own thing. <laughs> ah, yeah, that could be really but, interesting. I mean, but literally, it's like, so where where do you begin to rein people in? And so that's the, I'm, I'm looking for kind of what are the parameters under which you do that? Because I will say I've seen it happen where I think a leader gave so much empowerment. And initially, I was like, this is really great. He is utterly okay with failure and the outcome and the results. And when it came to maybe us not meeting the expectations, then it was like, okay, now it's time to kind of redirect, bring in a little bit more uh, structure or, or boundaries or parameters to help this person. Okay, I think they need help making these decisions. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's some give and take there where you've got to kind of keep an eye on it yeah, sure. and not let it go too far out of the realm of what you're wanting. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it was a General McChrystal um, wrote team of teams talked about this idea of of eyes on hands off, mm-hmm. you know. So, I, which is just kind of a play on words, but there's something there that that is a, a good visual of right. like, hey, I'm looking over here. I'm going to set some general boundaries or parameters, and then you have complete and total freedom. Uh, within that. I think about a restaurant. So if somebody was franchising a restaurant, it's like, here's what the menu has to be. Uh, so you can't go and just create your own right. items. Uh, right. But, so th- that's where the choices ideas. are. Yeah. Right. That's where the choices are. So right. yeah, I think that's where we bridge the gap to say, look, the more trust you have with somebody, the more you can take your hands off the wheel. But you're not letting them go rogue outside of their role description or mission or vision of the organization. Gotcha. Yeah. That's good. And yes, because I think that's where the what is not effective in companies is micromanaging. Mm-hmm. Like we, we just know that doesn't work with people. Right. It's not a great way to manage. And so what we're advocating for is, hey, giving them, empowering them within the scope of their responsibilities. Yeah. So let's uh, let's dive a little deeper here, because I think putting this under the umbrella of coaching really does help because this is an idea as a le- So you're a team leader. You've got others on your team. Part of your responsibility is to coach and develop them. And so you can use this choice architecture as a developmental tool. So, hey, I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do today. I'm going to give you some choices and you get to decide how you want to get to that finish line to use your example with the, uh, with, I want the, the yard clean and green. And so Jeff, how do you see this idea of being a choice architect? How do you see this helping leaders develop others? I think it starts with a leader being committed to objectivity and Again, under the tyranny of the urgent and being, you know, really pressed for time, a lot of time leaders, they lose that objectivity and they become either very outcome oriented or they become very mired down in their own work. And so they can easily go into tell mode, hmm. you know, and you do this by Friday. And and so it, it doesn't take more time to be objective. It's a disposition. It's approach. Yeah. It's how you prepare to engage with your employees. And so that's what a that's what someone who's helping you explore choices is going to do is be objective about what do you think, Adam? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what what obstacles might get in the way of you being able to complete that assignment by the end of the month? Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And I'm now thinking of a woman that I coach. And she was um, over a group of people, and that was one of her issues was people would come to her and they would say, what do you think I should do? And in in fashion, I'm the same way. Oh, that feels so good. Let mm-hmm. me answer that because I have all the answers. And and she had to really train herself. And we were like, okay, you need a sticky note that you put in front of you that says, ask them what they think yeah. first. And so really, because what you are coaching in people is you have to learn how to think for yourself. You've got to learn how to think. You've got to learn how to make decisions and, and where you're going to go. 
in telling people the answer is not going to help them grow, no. period. Yeah, I think that's the foundation of is being able to approach someone to say, look, I believe I believe so much in your ability to grow, Cynthia, in, in owning that project or gaining that competency. I just want to kind of sit with you and say, you know, what thoughts do you have about uh, about getting started with this or what's what's in the way of you feeling confident? Right, exactly. See, this is why I can't be a contrarian because now I'm See, back on the other side. Over you won me over. Flip flopper. <laughs> She's such a flip flopper. I so, am. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, why don't more leaders do this? Why, why do you think there is such prevalence of command and control or micromanaging? Or I'm just going to tell you. I, I I don't think most managers had the intent to be controlling and micromanaging. I think it's because they deprioritize it. They they see that coaching takes time. And they sort of schedule it out of their week. Mm. And so it, 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 because, I mean, how many times have we had leaders say, oh, I need to get better coaching or I, I really want to work on that more? I mean, that's a constant theme in the work that I do. And I, I don't think coaching takes a lot of time. I think it takes intentionality. Mm. That's good. That's good. Well, and as well, they don't have the time, like in the sense that I know it doesn't take that much time, but they're so busy typically with their, you know, uh, all the things that they're doing that you do have to schedule it because otherwise it just gets away from you. And and you think, okay, these people have got it. I don't need to follow up all those things. And the reality is, is that people do need you to sit down. I mean, I've, I've coached a bunch of people and it's like, yeah, my manager never checks in on me. And it's like, they do need to be checked in on it. And I mean, I think at a minimum once a week, like, hey, what, how, what does your week look like? Tell me what you're doing. How can I support you? Those mm-hmm. kinds of questions that are open-ended and do allow for them to kind of make their own decisions. Yeah, I have a quick example. I was on a Zoom call this week um, with a couple of colleagues on this project, and um, one of them had a particularly heavy administrative load with this, the, with this conference coming up, and she was kind of going through a list, and she just paused and said, you know, how, how are you doing? with all this how are you balancing you know kind of all of these last minute requests uh, i mean what's how's that feeling for you emotionally hmm. and that it, really opens up a can of it worms did, well yeah. it, it no it really just it changes the whole tone of the discussion from to-do list to you know i'm doing okay and I'm, i need to prioritize that and then that opened up an opportunity for for this leader to help kind of give permission to go, well, you can let go of that. And, you know, what thoughts do you have or what choices do you have in order to... And so it it, it really is fundamentally and maybe deceptively simple yeah. how we can take people into a direction of help me understand what's going on and then ultimately get them to a place where, you know, what are the choices in front of you? Yeah. And, but, and what I want to add on to that is... Yes. And I think the reason, and I said a can of worms you're opening up, that's the fear that leaders have is Ah. if I ask how you're feeling about your workload, I don't have 30 minutes to sit and listen to you. That's right. It, it'd be seriously yeah. like that's the fear is if I ask how you're feeling about something, you know, that I've got to devote an hour and I've only got seven minutes yeah. right now, you know, to devote right here. And so I think there's that fear, but I think you're right. It actually doesn't necessarily, now it can open up a can of worms, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a big, a big thing. Either. I think the can of worms is if it's a buildup. I right. mean, if a leader yes. has not done a good job of sort of tending their garden and taking care of the employees along the way, then then yeah, there may be a can of worms there. Yeah. Thousand percent. So, what would be some self reflection questions? As you know, there's a leader driving around right now, or they're exercising out, walking the dog, whatever, and they're listening to the, listening to this, and they want to know, all right, am I am I a leader as coach, or am I more of a leader as teller and you know more controlling? What, what would be some ways that you all would suggest uh, or a question that a leader could ask themselves to know what side of the spectrum are they falling on right now? 
I think one one way to do it is to make sure that leaders are asking qualitative questions as well as sort of the tactical questions of the project or the work role, not just, hey, how are you feeling? But, yeah. you know, what thoughts do you have or what concerns or what, you know, what's burdening you now about that? And because the qualitative question opens up sort of the psychological and emotional, kind of gives them some air to breathe a little bit. Mm. And sometimes, you know, leaders got to practice on that. They're not used to it because I've got seven minutes to check in with Cynthia. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I would encourage the listener to really weave those kinds of questions into their rapport with their employees. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So some of those, uh, I can think about many projects that I've worked on with leaders that we've been collaborating and the leader never once asked me my thoughts right. on the solution. Or even how you were doing. Yeah. 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 Some of the personal side, but then, and I think some of what we're talking about here, certainly the, the personal side is, is a good coach to talk about how you're doing below the surface. But even here on some of the tactical side with the choices that you're presenting and, and not just telling people what to do, but asking them their thoughts to get input or going, you have some choices here. Uh, that's, that's really great. So, Hey, we're working on this project, just pausing for a moment, you know, Hey, Sarah, what are your thoughts on this project right now in the direction we're heading in right now? Do, do you have any thoughts? Like if, if, if you were, uh, you know, the leader for the day or all of this fell on your shoulders and we, we listened a hundred percent to what you wanted to do, would you choose this solution? Right. Is it some of those questions that, I, that they I, could ask? I do. I also think one of the nuances here is that if you do get into sort of this, um, this coaching um, rapport with an employee and you're beginning to explore choices with them, if they begin to say, well, what about choice A? And you've got to be careful not to go in and critique and then take take back the yeah. reins. Yeah. You know, th- the power is for them to evaluate the pros and cons of, of each choice That's and really for them good. to come to their conclusion. Again, as you said earlier, Cynthia, it's stay within the parameters right. of the mission, the vision, and the role description. But the, the real confidence and competency growth is going to be when they come to their own conclusion right. about which choice is best. That's right. That's right. And you're right. I just am going back to you really have to be willing to let people fail. And I do think that in, in some ways, you know, if you're answering to someone on numbers and all those things, you know, letting people fail, it, it's, you know, you're kind of holding your breath. You're like, I need you to meet that goal. And because it's going to reflect on me as a leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so being able to do that takes a tremendous amount of, I don't know, stomach, grit, well, yeah. gut. It, it, it I don't takes know. courage as a leader. Yes. But you can also choose lower risk projects and initiatives for, for them to explore and fail, those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, and I was just thinking, too, as y'all were talking, I was like, I think if I were a leader and I were leading people and I'm thinking about them as my employees and I'm thinking about that project where I'm kind of like, okay, time out. What do you think about this? I think I might have to ask myself, do I value this person and do I trust them? Mm -hmm. Because if the answer to those things is yes, then I can trust their feedback. I don't have to, to your point, I don't have to critique it. If I believe in this person as in what they do and their input, then I can trust and let them bring it to the table and I don't have to to you know critique it and make it all fit and be perfect I can actually allow them to feel differently about something mm-hmm. think differently about something and have a different approach good all right Jeff what would you say to this so let's say there's a leader who wants to be a good choice architect somebody on their team comes to them with a potential problem and they look at the leader and say what should I do Right. And the leader has listened to this and they said, all right, I'm going to, I got the sticky note, right? I'm going to ask them first, what do you think? And then rather than telling them, I'm going to present some choices, right? So here'd be uh, four choices you could do. And you present the choices out there. What if like two of the choices 
you, as the leader, you just know, I hate this choice, right? This is a terrible <laughs> choice. I don't want this choice, but I, to not have more than, you know, just to have more than two choices, I'm going to throw these bad choices in there, hoping they don't select these choices. But then lo and behold, the person comes back and they select one of the bad choices, right? So what, what do you understand that scenario that I'm painting well, I was that picture? Say, Kit, for clarity, are you saying that the leader asks the person to give them to, for the no, four the choices, somehow. or the leader gave no, the four choices. No, the leader choices. is trying to trying to give choices, right? right? Trying to present some choices and not not tell them what the solution should be, but just say, "Here are some ways you could solve this problem." And in there, throwing choices out, right, to try to be a good choice architect, they throw out some choices that they themselves really don't like. Yeah, I I, I would say that's probably a f- that may be flawed in the beginning okay. because I don't think. Um, or, or another approach would be, hey, let's generate choices together. Okay, right. that's good. And so let, let's say that the employee throws out a bad one, and then you can have the opportunity to walk them through the pros and cons of each choice. Right. Versus saying, hey, here are four, and then it's almost like, hey, one of them's not really good, and I really don't like it. Right. I think you're right. I think uh, the fallacy in that would be, you, the, as the leader, you throwing out the choices. I think you would need to ask them. Part of them thinking yeah. is what... What solutions some, do you have? I have some in mind. What do you have in mind? Yeah. Right. And that's kind of the, the theory in coaching is brainstorming together. Hey, let's brainstorm. What ideas do you have? Because in general, people come in and they're like, can you tell me what to do? And you're like, no, I can't. But we can come together and brainstorm. Yeah. Now, what do you think? But it wasn't that some of the premise here was that choice architecture is the design of different ways in which choices can be presented to our employees. So that, I was hearing you say, no, as a leader, what we need to do is not tell them what to do, but present choices to them. And maybe just it's a nuance that right. sometimes yeah, you do those choices together. But I mean, I think there are some times where they come to you and they just go, listen, I tried to think of solutions. I'm not trying to just present a problem to you. I literally am stuck right now. Will you help me? Sure. And and you may know exactly what you need to do. Well, you need to pick up the phone and call that person and then go see that person down the hall and they're going to solve it. And you just go, well, I want to coach them here. I want to help them explore this and I'm going to present some choices. And I think what you're saying is don't present a choice that you really don't like. So silly example, if it's trying to plan the Thanksgiving uh, employee lunch, okay, and you're like, well, you could call Boston Market, you could call Chipotle, or you can call McDonald's, right? And you're like, I don't want them to call McDonald's. Right. Nothing against McDonald's. But you know what I mean? Right, and right. then they're like, oh, McDonald's is great. Chicken nuggets. Who doesn't love chicken nuggets? And, right. And, you're and all like, that. And you're like, oh. You know, and so the, there is only present choices to them that you will actually be okay with them selecting. Yeah, but, I do. And I do think there's a nuance there. Again, I think that's that's what's interesting and complex about this metaphor of choice architect. It's that it's not sort of a, okay, here are the choices for the industry and let's right. lay them out. I mean, I think, again, the more uh, trust uh, and empowerment you have with that employee, the more you can synergize and brainstorm and kind of go between you. But if if it's more um, earlier in the career or earlier in the competency, then you may direct it a little bit more. And I'm thinking what you're trying not to do is a lot of times as an employee – uh, for a variety of reasons, you're, you kind of go to your leader and say, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. What do I do next? And maybe it's to avoid making a mistake or whatever it is, but that is not how they grow. And so what you're trying to avoid is being the one that they always come back to. They're always coming back to you looking for you to give them the answer. What you're trying to do is I need for you to think for yourself because I actually believe you can figure this out. That's right. I think that's great. You know, and it's like what you're trying to do is to to 
empower them to think and to problem solve without you being the go-to all the time. Because the truth is, and I've had people say this, you know what? If I'm not in the office and they can't reach me, they actually do figure figure it out. out. Yes. Adam, that goes back to what you asked a moment ago about sort of what should the leader do when they begin to sound. The leader's intention is to create independence. Mm -hmm. If you have that intention, then coaching and ultimately helping them with their choices is going to grow in their help them grow in their independence yeah i think the secret um to a lot of leaders success is uh resourcefulness yes right because we every day is uncertain we never know what's going to come around the corner and we're always facing problems and the answers are not in the back of the book this is nothing like your high school math uh, homework right where the answer was all you could not pay attention in class go home do your homework because the answer was in the back of the book leadership not that way so you just have to what uh, i think we've talked about it on the podcast before uh, this three letter acronym i've got at home right now with my boys fio you got to figure it out right so dad and faces problem what do i do FIO, right <laughs> fio <laughs> and i know i'm saying it enough because the other day uh, my youngest came up and it's like I was asking him. I'm like, "What, what are you going to do for that?" And he goes, "I'm going to FIO." So he's he's repeating <laughs> hey, it back now. to me. I'm just like, "Figure it out." <laughs> I think that's episode 25. With attitude, right there. With, with that, attitude. And, and so I think that's exactly what you're saying. Is uh, I, I'll tell some of these leaders sometimes, "Hey, you become faster than Google for your people, uh, the people on your team. They're going to come to you, I, absolutely, because they could go try to figure it out. But that takes time, and they're they don't want to spend more time. So they're like, well, I'll just go to Cynthia because Cynthia will just give me the answer, and that's not helpful. And it's not. And here's the thing: that doesn't make you more valuable. That's right. When that's your really people good. come to you, that does not make you more valuable. And I think that is one of the things that keeps leaders doing that is I'm valuable I'm as person. long as you yeah. need me. Yep. And the reality is, as a leader, you need to be thinking about your role and and where you're trying to go and your roles and responsibilities, not doing the job for the people beneath you. You know, we did an episode way back when, like last decade, maybe, I think it was, right? <laughs> it feels on like imposter that. syndrome. And remember yeah. during the pandemic yeah. when there was all kinds of role shifting, I think a lot of people that they were the go-to people and they weren't for a while for all this reason right. they're struggling with imposter syndrome. Yeah. So what I you know what I uh, was going to come in as a not necessarily a contrarian but just where I struggle with this choice architecture would be this is that um, I want to be clear, right? Like that's this identity that I want and a skill that I want to have as a leader is clarity inspires action and as a leader I can be wrong, but I just don't want to be, I don't want to be confusing, right? And so I want to be clear. And so if somebody comes to me, presents a problem, and I'm giving them options of what they could do, there's this thing inside me that feels like me giving them options is unclear because they may be sitting there going, all right, so what do you want me to do? You said I could do five things. Like, which one is it? So how, how can I be a good choice architect with those that I'm coaching and leading but also not compromise clarity. Yeah, I think that for a leader, it, it a leader has to be able to discern when the right situation is for me to say, hey, Cynthia, this is an opportunity for us to explore choices. Uh, not every single business decision is, let's sit down for 20 minutes and get a whiteboard out, yeah. right. right? But there are situations where there there is that opportunity. And that is when I've seen people grow the most, when That's they great. are actively involved in the collaboration of the outcome. I like that. Well, and my first thought when you're saying that is, I think you have to um, redefine clarity because what you're talking about when you're saying, man, I don't want there to be any lack of clarity. I'm like, you can, you can 
edge off into control mm. when you get so I have to be exact on this and people have to understand exactly what I'm it's like yeah in in a lot of situations but but there's a lot of gray out there mm. and if you get so um, black and white on this is exactly where I want to go exactly what I want you to do I mean that gets into I need yeah. a robot yeah and so I think that's where you have to kind of go, okay, do I need clarity in this situation or do I need to let them grow, which is going to give them a little lack of clarity. Yeah. They're going to have to figure it. Because just like your boys, when you said figure it out, that's not that's not clear. Yeah. In some ways, it's clear about the ambiguity. Yes. Right. I'm going to yes. be clear. I, I'm not giving you the answer. Let me be crystal clear. I'm going to give you choices, right? And I'm not saying it that strong. I like what you said. Hey, this is a good opportunity to explore choices and how that plays into the, the role of a leader. Uh, because we all know, again, some of the secret to success of leadership is that we were faced with a situation that had no clarity right. and we found it, right? We Or we, we just... Like chose a, we a figured path. it out. Yeah, chose we a chose path. a path right. and just said, "All right, I'm clearly going to go in this direction." And I like that that I you can just by presenting choices, you can you can telegraph a little on the front end what you're doing. Right. Hey, I'm going to give you some choices here. I'm not going to give you an exact answer, and then I I trust you're going to be able to figure it out with with uh, you know building them up along the way with all that. So uh, I think about an example. Um, I'll go ahead and say his name because he may be listening. Jonathan Bacluda, a guy that I worked with uh, for five years um, over at Watermark. And I remember when I started leading the college ministry there years ago, he gave me so much leeway on some strategic decisions. And I appreciate it uh, because I made my first year over there, I made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. But it was one of the the years where I grew the most mm-hmm. as a leader. I, I look back on that season of starting a new, you know, leading a new team with a new mission and a new endeavor on a new uh, geographic location and and all of this. And I just remember him going, "All right, so what are you going to do here?" And I would present some ideas, and he would listen and go, "You could or could, but I trust you're going to make the right choice." I didn't, <laughs> and uh, and then he came back and was like, "All right, so what did we learn? So maybe maybe we could try this for year two. And I just, I just, that had a profound impact yes. on me. And I really appreciate his ability and what he did during that. So he did a bunch of great stuff in, in the time that I worked with him. But that one, with this conversation on coaching and developing, not controlling, uh, I thought, I thought he did a great JP job. JP is that. a choice architect. He was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure he still is. But it was, uh, that, that's one that came to my mind of an example of where I was developed and coached really well, but not told exactly what to do. Right. Well, and it, what's making me think of is, uh, and I said this earlier about them having to be okay with failure. It's really about reframing failure. Mm, that's good. It's like, hey, you've got you've to be okay with letting your people make mistakes that aren't going to tank the company. Um, but that allow them to grow and that part of your job is building people. Yeah. It, it is building into people, investing in people. That is part of the of the role in the job. And that requires allowing them to make the mistakes so they can grow. That's right. And become better. Okay. So here's a little, this is nuance, but I don't know if you guys see this because this is some of the things I'm seeing. That that what you just said right there, there are I'm sure there's two types of leaders listening to that. There's some that are going, I get it. And then there's some that are going, I just wish my boss's boss got that. Ah. Right. And one of the things I notice is if there's an organization that has uh, venture capital money or outside investments that uh, with an organization that is not uh, on the ground in the day to day operations of the organization, those leaders feel so much pressure to just produce results that can be emailed to those outside investors 
to substantiate and justify mm-hmm. their investment, right? Uh, but those that don't have those outside investors where it truly is like the, the owners are on the ground, they're there, they're leading, they can understand that, okay, that one, that one cost us some money. We didn't reach our target, but what we learned as a culture was great or what our team learned was great. Are you guys seeing any of that, any of that tension out there on, on some of the differences there with that? Well, it's interesting. I'm actually thinking of one person in particular, and I want to go back to him and saying, hey, you're doing a great job yeah. because he's got investors and he does a phenomenal job at encouraging people to make decisions and letting them make mistakes. Yeah. And so, so my answer is actually the one person I'm thinking of is actually doing a great doing job it. of wow. it. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's I awesome. Know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's unfortunately more rare out there for, yeah. for leaders that are courageous and who also can manage effectively their perceptions of their investors or their senior managers yeah. about making culture so important that it's part of their, it's the third bottom line. Yeah. When you have a, an employer brand where people want to come and they stay and they, and they produce well, I mean, the natural byproduct is quality, quality service. That's really good. That's really good. Well, Jeff, I like this. All um, right. It was a little feisty today. By the, way, yeah. by the way, what if there were turkey and dressing nuggets? Would you serve that at a staff oh lunch gosh. for like, Thanksgiving? I literally just got nauseous okay. thinking about that. So. McDonald's might try Would you that. eat that? Turkey and dressing? Nuggets? No. That just sounds... McDonald's? Those are three words that shouldn't go together. I like McDonald's. I know everyone's hating on them, but I don't necessarily like their nuggets. You don't? All right. Do you see Jim Gaffigan's bit on McDonald's? Oh, so good. Oh, so great. That that listener, just go go Google Jim (laughs) Gaffigan and McDonald's and you're welcome. That's a great little bit. Yes, indeed. On how everything in life is McDonald's. It is. Uh, Jeff, any final thoughts? You know, I just, I, I love the conversation today. It's great being back together in the studio. And, um, you know, I, I, I think just, you know, keep, Keep working on opportunities to coach and, and make that a priority in your in your rhythm of your work as a leader. I like that. What should somebody put on that sticky note? Uh, what was it, Cynthia? Oh, yeah. Um, ask a question when you're faced with a question. There you go. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Very Socratic, right? Isn't that yeah, what that, very the Socratic. law schools do, the Socratic That's right. method? That's right. What do you think I should yeah, do? And, so, right. and, no, what and do it's you powerful. Yeah. It really is powerful. And it's uh, something that we'd all do well uh, to practice as leaders. All right, guys. Great conversation today. Thanks for awesome. your time. Yeah. Okay. Take care. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Here's What I'm Seeing. We certainly hope you found it helpful and valuable for you on your leadership journey. This episode was mixed and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we got for today. As we said on the last episode, we're just going to leave the light on. We don't know when we're going to have another episode out there, but when we do, it'll show up right there, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll talk to you again next time.